0: You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. Hey guys, I want to take just a moment. Uh, This Sunday is a special Sunday. Uh, My wife and I are, are, by the time you're watching this, we'll be in California but I wanted to take a moment to introduce to you a special friend of mine, Lee Stevenson. Lee Stevenson is a church planter, a part of the Vision Arizona Converge Worldwide church planting network that we're a part of. He now serves as an executive director for Converge Worldwide over church planting. He's been a good long-term friend of mine. Uh, when my wife and I first moved into the valley, he and Melissa befriended. Leslie and I, and have gotten to know them uh, through the years and have been greatly blessed by their friendship and their partnership in the gospel uh, message and movement here in the Phoenix Valley. Uh, this morning, here in for a great opportunity because Lee's not only a great friend, he's also served in a, in a distant way, but in a close way for, for our staff as an interim elder. In starting a brand new church, it's important to have local leadership Um, But when you start a brand new church, you're just getting to know everybody. And so Lee has served for that uh, for Jonathan and I. Uh, I served as the first founding elder and then I've appointed Jonathan with your confirmation. We did that last year. And then Lee served as this interim elder to help support and encourage, help us think through big decisions, uh, leadership dynamics, uh, vision and clarity and all that and served as a great friend, serves as a coach to many church planners around the country, and serves as an executive director to churches all around the world. So it's my great honor and great privilege to have uh, Lee Stevenson come to the pulpit this morning and preach, continuing on in our teaching series of 1st John. So. Do me a favor, though I'm not there. I ask that you give Lee Stevenson, my great friend and partner in ministry, a warm welcome, North Valley style. Uh, let's welcome Lee.
1: Thanks for being here this morning, Lee. Thanks, Jonathan. My my privilege. North Valley, so good to be with you. I, uh, as Pastor Ryan kind of mentioned before, I've been watching you from the very beginning. And uh, it is so fun to see what God is doing in you, what God is doing through you, your heart specifically to reach the North Valley of the Phoenix metro area, and you're doing it. Um, So thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you for your commitment to planting more churches and seeing the gospel spread in some very practical ways all around the world. Uh, I love your pastor, and I love all of your pastors. Um, I can tell you firsthand that Ryan is a man that loves the Lord deeply. Uh, Not only does he love the Lord deeply, he loves his family well, and he deeply loves each and every one of you as well. And so it really is my privilege to be with you this morning as we begin. Uh, Let me kind of just take a moment, open us up with a word of prayer, and then we'll begin to dive in this morning. Would you join me? God, we thank you so much for your incredible goodness and your love for us, how you guide us, and uh, Lord, direct even the small things in our life. Uh, Lord, we turn to you with uh, truly believing that you have everything figured out and that you are a God that knows what he's doing. And so, Lord, we turn to you as we open up your word today. Uh, Speak to us on an individual basis. Speak to us corporately. Help us to understand how we follow you courageously each and every day of our lives, we ask in your great name. Amen. This morning, we're going to be in 1 John chapter 2. So go ahead and flip in your Bibles or turn on your mobile device to 1 John chapter 2. As you're doing that, I want to take, begin by just kind of taking a quick survey of everybody here. How many of you would say, honestly, you like change? Like, you know, that you can say, point blank, I am a fan of change. If that's kind of you, would you mind raising your hand for me real quick? Okay, we got a few, right? A few. Everybody else looking at it like, what is wrong with them? How how many of you would say the opposite of that? Like, I don't like change. I I just don't, you know? And and you're, yeah. okay, okay. Kind of your motto in life is, you know, if it ain't broke, why fix it, right? I mean, that that describes you. Um, Let me just kind of make this point. If you just moments ago raised your hand and said that you are a fan of change, but each and every week you have a tendency to come in and sit in the same chair um, or kind of in the same section on Sunday mornings at the same service, my recommendation is you probably need to take a little bit more time evaluating who you are and what drives you and whether or not you really are a fan of change. Um, my guess is there are some of you, too, that you walked in this morning and somebody was sitting in your seat, right? And and that kind of annoyed you, and you're looking at this, and, and but your motto in life is kind of like, well, if it's broke, learn to live with it, you know? Um, change is just part of life. It, you know, the seasons come, seasons go, and with that, life brings change. And I can think through different moments in my life where... Uh, change was just part of it. I mean, I can still remember the first day I went to kindergarten and the experience, and man, this is so different than what I was used to. You know, mom wasn't with me anymore. I can still remember the first day going to middle school, the first day of high school. I I remember making the transition, driving 1,200 miles away from home and going to college for the first time, and here I was, all of a sudden, I'm in a concrete box, And I'm having a room with this person that I didn't even know existed until I just met them. Talk about change, right? I remember graduating college and now living on my own and having to learn the art of paying bills and keeping up. Talk about major change. I remember a time that, you know, I decided to buy my first sports car. And that was awesome change not only was it fun but it was my first car believe it or not that actually had air conditioned and so that was that was just wonderful change that came into my life then I got married not saying that there was any change that took place there right so um, and then I sold my sports car not saying they're connected okay I just 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 want to clarify that and then we had kids and boy did that bring change And then we recently, about 15, 16 months ago, we moved from Mesa, Arizona, where we planted a church to Orlando, Florida, where we sensed God was calling us to do something that was beyond anything we even thought or conceived. And now I get the privilege of being able to work with our churches all around the world. Change can be difficult. Change can also be a great thing. But it all kind of comes down to our perspective of who we understand God is and what God is doing. See, change is just kind of, it is a part of life. Today, we're going to be continuing the series, This is the Life. And as we do, we're going to be walking again through a passage in 1 John, a letter written to people to help them understand what does it mean truly for us to follow Jesus? What does that life look like? Jesus came and he talked about this, this, that he came to bring us into an abundant life experience. That that can bring abundance when it comes to relationship. It can bring abundance in the way that we experience peace, purpose in our lives. This morning, the passage that we're going to take a look at today is we're going to be challenged to really take an inventory of the way in which we live our life on a day-to-day basis and recognizing, are there things that we need to change in the way that we approach the world, the way that we engage the world, the way that we live in the world? And, and John writes from an encouraging point of view, but he really is pretty black and white also in this passage, trying to leave no room for major interpretation, with that in mind, let's pick up 1 John chapter 2, we're going to begin in verse 7. Would you follow along with me this morning? He begins writing says, beloved, so we know his audience here are those that are Christ followers. He's writing to Christians here. He says, I'm writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you have had from the very beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard at the same time. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going. Because the darkness, get this, has what? Blinded his eyes. Let's pause there for a moment. What John is bringing up is he talks about this old commandment. And what he's talking about and referencing here is a commandment that we find written all the way back in the book of Leviticus and mentioned again in the book of Deuteronomy. This idea that as true followers of the God, we are to love him with all that we are. Everything that is our being, we are to love him. But not only there, we don't just stop there. We are to love those around us as well. See, it, it is possible for us to love people and not love God. But it is impossible for us to say that we love God and not love people. They come together. What he's saying here too is this, hate really is the evidence of blindness to the light of God. While love is the evidence that sight has been given to the blind? John writes this in a way, he, he is wanting to encourage us in the way that we walk with God, the way that we view the world around us. He, he's not writing in a way to load onto us all these different duties that we need to incorporate into our lifestyle. But what he's saying is this old word, This old commandment that we received hundreds and hundreds and hundreds years ago is the foundational piece of the gospel today. And that there really is a distinguishing mark for those that follow Jesus that separates those that are followers of Jesus from all the frauds, from all the phonies, from all the pretenders that are out there. And the thing that separates us is how we love. See, maturity really is defined by how we love God and how we love others. And John's question to all of us this morning is this. Do you have it? Then he kind of begins to shift here when we get to verse 12. Verse 12, he's really kind of defining his audience. And the reality is he's leaving nobody out. Let's, talk, let's look at verse 12, follow along. It says, I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I'm writing to you, fathers, you can put in their mothers as well, because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, young women, because you have overcome the evil one. I, I write to you, children, because you know the father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. A right to young men, you can put in there young women, because you are strong. And the word of God abides in you. And you've overcome the evil one. See, he's addressing all believers, saying you need to understand who you are. Understand your identity in Christ. That there is a change that is taking place in your life because of Jesus becoming a reality for you. And because of that change, we need to live differently we need to be different. Verse 15, he says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God, what? abides forever. What, what we see here, kind of coming to light in this passage is not only does life have a way of bringing change with it, but life walking with Jesus also brings change. G- Jesus changes the way that we live life, engage the world, and have purpose. Let's be honest here for a moment. The, the problem is, is that when the world looks at people in the church, many aren't actually attracted to a life with Jesus because they don't see any difference inside the church from that outside the church. Here's the challenge, and I think this is what John's trying to bring to our attention. 90% devotion to God is 10% too low. 90% devotion to God is still 10% too low. See, far too many Christians have sold out to fit in, to be looked at as being normal i mean a lot of us if we're honest that's what we drive towards right i i want to fit in i don't want to be weird i want to be normal what's normal i mean what what is normal when it comes to the world today think about it what's a normal schedule look like today The words I hear regularly when I talk with people are overwhelmed, rushed, stressed out, panicked, anxious, never really actually having a time to do the things that really are important for me to do right now, lack of focus, and the result is oftentimes we sacrifice quality. What's normal when it comes to money? And, And... Let's be honest again. Normal is somewhat getting caught up in the rat race. Believing well, if I have more or attain more, then life will be good and life will be happy and that will give me purpose. Well, it might give you some immediate purpose, but long-term purpose, you're going to find it falls short. For others, normal is broke. Others, it's overwhelmed, being overwhelmed by debt. Normal is, seems to be living under financial fear. Normal in marriages today is oftentimes fighting about money. What's normal when it comes to our professional life? Normal is doing something that you don't like just so you can have a paycheck. And so you just kind of get by. Normal is sometimes feeling like there's something else out there that is more fulfilling. What's normal when it comes to relationships today? Normal is sleeping around. Normal is living like you're married when you really aren't. Normal is day-to-day bickering. See, normal is when people do get married, that when seven years has a way of coming around, things aren't going so well, they tend to walk away from their marriage and oftentimes their kids. I don't know about you, but when I look at the world and what is defined as normal today, normal isn't working. And if you want to be normal, it's actually pretty easy. You just do what everybody else is doing. However, if you want something more and you want something different... You have to be willing to be a little different, to live differently. Understand the change that Jesus is wanting to do in you and the things that he wants to do through you. And that means sometimes other people are going to look at you, it may be family members, it may be close friends, it may be coworkers, and they're going to just go, you're weird. I mean, how many of you know somebody that's really weird? And I'm not talking about in a good manner. I'm talking about like, bad way you know you know people that are are weird if you're not raising your hand right now it might be you okay (laughs) don't don't point to people that's we're not doing that as well in, in church this morning but there is another way to be weird and I think this is kind of what John is drawing our attention to that there you can be weird in a good way because to be a follower of Jesus, a real obedient follower means you have to be willing to live countercultural in ways. You have to be willing to give up normal, to be willing to be a little weird. You have to dare, in other words, to be different. See, living with Jesus leads us away from normal. John is pointing out to all of us that to follow Jesus means we should be different than the world that is around us. Well, Lee... Some of you might be going, can you define what the world is to us? I'm so glad you asked. (laughs) There's three ways, actually, John here describes the world to us. And And it's interesting that he likens these things to three cravings that we all face in life. Let's go back again, verse 15 through 17. We see these things mentioned. The first is he talks about the desires of the flesh. Desires of the flesh are physical pleasure. I want to have fun. You know, if it feels good, do it. Desires to enjoy my physical experience to its fullness. Desires of the flesh. The second one he gives us, as he calls it, the desires of the eyes. The world offers cravings for what we see. I don't have one of those things, right? But I want it. I didn't necessarily want it until I saw it. But now that I see it, I, I got to have it. And these, this, this craving can begin to take us over because we just saw something that we didn't have. And we decide life will not be abundant. Life will not have purpose. Life, and you can fill in the blank until I have it. The third thing he talks about is pride of life. Pride of life. And this is the entire idea that we have pride in our own personal achievements. We find pride in our possessions. We, we want to feel good about what we have and what we have done. And we want these things to make us happy and, and bring meaning to our lives. And so that becomes our pursuing. We are overtaken by the craving to perform well. And what we have to, all of us have to come to grips with is to understand that these are all actually natural desires in each and every one of us. But what we have got to come to know and realize is that our love for the world actually pushes out a love for God. I mean, he says it there. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. but I'm glad he doesn't leave it there. Our love for the world may actually push out our love for God, but the love for God actually pushes out the love for the world. As Jesus said, he said, no one can actually serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. The next thing is we got to pay attention again is back in verse 17. It says the world is passing away with all of its desires, but whoever does the will of God what, abides forever. In other words, the world, get this. And I'm sure it's a shocker as we watch the news and the media play out for this you know, election period, right? The world is dying. It is passing away. And as the world passes away, so do the desires of it. Nobody in their right mind buys stock in a company that is sure to go bankrupt. Nobody builds a house on a sinking ship, right? No no reasonable person would actually do such a thing. What we have to come up and understand and come to grips with is that the world headliner, it isn't going to last forever. So to set our hearts and to place all of our investments in the here and now is only going to lead ultimately to heartache and misery. If you share the desires of the world You're going to pass away too. You not only lose your treasure, but you're going to lose your life. But at the end of verse 17, we find great hope, a reason to be optimistic. Whoever does the will of God abides forever. The interesting thing is we see this played out all the time in front of us. Normal people give in to what they desire. They follow their own appetites. They follow their own cravings. So I want to contrast for us just in this moment a few thoughts today that I think will help drive this home and help us embrace the God change that he's wanting to create in us. The first thing is this. The world says, take what you want and not later. See, it's about instant gratification. Now, let me pose this question. Can that really be good? Is that a good thing or a good way to live your life and model your life? But we see it lived out all the time. Things like sex or ice cream, right? Or what about making comments on Facebook that we probably shouldn't have actually done? I'm getting personal now, right? (laughs) or an email that we shouldn't send. It it is so easy for us to get caught up in the moment that we lose sight of wisdom. We we lose sight of, you know what would Jesus actually do on this one? And so we fire something off. The number two thing in helping us understand the world is the world says trade what can be for what is. In, in other words, Trade the ultimate for the immediate. I actually want to take us to another story in scripture I think illustrates this so much better than I could ever illustrate it to you. What we're going to take a look at is the story of Esau and Jacob. If you know a little bit of of their story, um, Esau was the older brother. And if I was to describe Esau, the, the way that we see him described is he's kind of a man's man. He's a hunter, loves to be outdoors. He's all about nature. And Esau's younger brother is Jacob. And Jacob, let's be honest, Jacob's kind of a mama's boy. He's not the same kid as as Esau. He's kind of a whiner. and, And he just kind of does what mama tells him to do. Now, the interesting thing is understanding the day and the times. In the biblical times, the oldest son, who's Esau would have had known what is called having a birthright in other words just because he was the firstborn it gave him tremendous advantage in life whenever the father would die the son with the birthright would actually get double portion of the inheritance how many old oldest child children out there going man that sounds good like right sign me up for that And after the father would die, that son would actually rise to kind of a position of power within the family, kind of like the executor of the estate or the judge of the family. And Esau, the older brother, had this. And Jacob, the younger brother, he was jealous. He wanted that. So one day, Esau, he's out and about, maybe on a hunting trip or something like that. He comes home and he's extremely hungry. And mama's boy, Jacob, he he was in the kitchen making some soup. Jacob went, tricked his older brother into giving him his birthright. Here's the story, how it plays out. Genesis 25, I'm going to start in verse 29. It's going to come up on the screen here. It says, once when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field and he was exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stew for I am Exhausted. Jacob said, sell me your birthright now. Esau said, I'm about to die. Of what use is the birthright to me? Jacob said, swear to me now. So he swore to him, sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob, he gives Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Esau here, the the older brother, does something that we would all look at in the story and kind of go, that's foolish. I mean, how in the world could somebody be so careless? See, be be so dumb, so short-sighted. Because what he did was he traded his birthright, the ultimate for the immediate. A simple bowl of stew. And what do we do? I mean, we look at that and say, who, who would do such a thing? And the answer is normal people. Normal people do it every single day. Every day. Every day. Every day. People get caught up in the moment, and as a result, they trade the ultimate for the immediate. And a a distorted desire. I mean, I, I promise you, every single one of you in the room right now, you can think of someone, you know of someone, that has totally derailed their life with a desire that went unchecked and unmanaged. They gave in for immediate. And the result was they did something dumb. It's about understanding what are we focused on. Are we focused on the stew? What, what does it mean to focus on the stew? Ladies, I think of ladies that I've watched from afar that they just had to have a purse in those clothes. And so they find themselves in incredible personal credit card debt because I just had to have it and I had to have it now. Pursuing the stew. It could be the man that really loves his wife. He loves his children. He loves his God. But in a moment when he's looking on a computer and he's one click away from something lustful that's just going to feed his lustful desires. And in that moment, he focuses on the stew and he forgets about his love of his wife, his love for his children. And he forgets about his love for God. And in that moment, he trades the ultimate for the immediate. Focused on the stew. It happens all the time. Normal people do it every day. I mean, it could be a young girl that really wants a godly husband. And really, just wants to be loved, and she wants to love, and she meets a guy, and he seems to be a pretty good guy, and he says, "I love you." And he said, you know, and she says, "Well, I love you back." And then he says, "But if you really loved me, you would." And she doesn't want. She doesn't want to. But in that moment. She trades the ultimate for the immediate. And then what happens? He dumps her. And she feels cheap. She feels used. Because she traded something that mattered for a bowl of stew. There are men that have really loved their families. They want to be a good dad. So they say, you know what, I'm going to do everything I can. I'm going to love my family well. And I'm going to be a great provider for them. So what do they do? They go after the pride of life. Accomplishments. It's like, I'm going to give them more than I ever had. And so they work hard. They rise up on the corporate ladder. They make more money and they get a bigger house. They drive nicer cars. And then one day they wake up and their children are 24, 27, and 29. And they realize that they don't even know their own kids. And they go, how in the world could I have been so dumb? I traded the ultimate for the immediate. I traded relationships that are going to be with me for the rest of my life for accomplishments. See what can happen when all we do is we focus on the bowl of stew? John is challenging us in this passage, don't don't focus on the stew. There's so much more to live for. As a follower of Jesus, He's coming into your life. He's giving you renewed understanding, renewed purpose. He is changing you day in and day out if you just allow Him to do that. What's your bowl of stew? I mean, what is your desire or desires that if left unchecked and left unmanaged could actually short circuit God's long term plan for you? I've seen it in such practical things cars, houses, booze, cigarettes, to have control, to be popular. What's your bolus do? We all have one. See, we all have these desires deep down inside of us that if they were unchecked and unmanaged, they could lead to a huge compromise and cost us dearly. See, normal people, they want what they want now, not later, and they're willing to trade the ultimate for the immediate. And some of you, if we're honest today, you've been spending everything that you have on the stew throw it down call it for what it is it's just stew see if we don't learn to lead our desires and take them by control our desires will take us by control and begin to lead us be different Embrace the change that Jesus wants to bring to your life. As followers of Jesus, we're called to think and just to live differently, to engage the world around us differently than the rest of the world. Is that the case with your life? In the direction you're choosing to live? Do you want to settle for a life that's just totally in every way explainable by you? See, God can, and he actually wants to give you a life that can only be explained by his involvement in it. We will never actually get to that place until we say no to the world and we focus on Jesus. Say no to the stew, I'm about Jesus. How's God leading you? Where is God leading you? And here's the big question as we come to an end. Are you going to follow? Are you going to follow? I can tell you from personal experience, every time that I said yes to Jesus, in the end it worked out just great doesn't mean it was always easy but it was worth it and every time I focus on the stew it led to deep pain and heartache and misery focus in on Jesus forget about the stew the world in which we live it's passing away we have something greater to live Embrace the one who brings about great change. Let me pray with you. God, we thank you so much for your incredible love and that you are a God that brings great change in our lives when we turn and follow you. You begin to make us new. You begin to make us more like you, which is incredible grace and that you are a God that in the midst of a world that is constantly changing, you are a God that is unchangeable. And in that we can be encouraged, in that we can place our faith, we can trust you. God, I pray that we would each and every day, we'd wake up in the morning and we say, change me and make me the person you've called me to be. And that we can truly embrace that. Lord, when the desires of the flesh, when the desires of life, when the desires of our eyes get to be overwhelming and the craving begins to to take over, I pray, Lord, that you'd step in and help us to say no to the stew, to follow you. In your mighty name, amen. North Valley, pleasure being with you this morning. Go with the peace of God. Embrace what God has for you this week. We love you. God bless.
0: Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give online today at northvalleychurch.org.